Hello, and welcome to a special year in review episode of the Agents of Change in Environmental Justice podcast, brought to you by the George Washington Milken Institute School of Public Health and Environmental Health News at ehn.org. I'm Brian Binkowski, Senior Editor at Environmental Health News and the Editor of Agents of Change, and your host. First off, happy holidays to you all. What a year it's been around here. We are wrapping things up with our third cohort here at Agents of Change, and our podcast is going strong, but we are all ready for a little break. I'm sure you are too. Hopefully all of you listeners are currently taking some time to relax, refresh, recharge. I know I'm spending some time with Rio, my new pup, a lab beagle mix. She's loving all the daytime hikes out in the snow. I'm also avoiding the news. What a simple joy that can be, eh? I had so much fun on this podcast over the past year that I wanted to chat about some of the highlights from the past year, so who better to join me than Dr. Yoshida Ornelas Van Horn, a former fellow and a postdoctoral research associate in the Division of Environmental Health at the University of Southern California. Yoshi is also now the Assistant Director of Curriculum Development and Cohort Engagement here at Agents of Change. She also happens to be our podcast's biggest fan, I think. So we talk about our favorite moments over the past year and some of the exciting things happening with the Agents of Change program over the next year. Stay tuned until the end when we reveal our big New Year's Eve plans. Spoiler alert, we're both kind of boring. Alrighty, enjoy the episode. Cheers, everyone. All right, I am super happy to be joined by Yoshida Ornelas Vanhorn. Yoshi, what's up? How's it going? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. We have made it to the end of the year, and I am so honored and happy to have you as my final guest. My pleasure. I can't believe it. It's been a very intense year. It has been an intense year. Last year was intense. This year was intense. The years are bleeding together. Uh, I wonder if they're all going to be like this from now on. Uh, well, I hope not. I hope 2022 looks up, um, you know, brings brings much needed change. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> yes, yes. Let's 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 focus on the positive. Yes, hopefully it brings change, and we are all a bunch of agents of that change. So let's dive right into it. So I, I wanted to have you here today because the podcast uh, we had a full year, and I wanted to talk to you because I know you are an ardent listener to talk to you about some of your favorite moments. But before we get started, there, I don't know if a lot of folks caught this. So you were a fellow and now you're on staff with us, which is which is very cool. So tell me about your experience as a fellow, first of all, what you got from the program, just to give listeners an idea of somebody who went through it and is, is now on the other side, what that looks like. And then explain your role on staff here a little bit and what impressions of the program you have now working on the inside with us. Yeah. So, oh my goodness, being a fellow, uh, I, I don't quite sure, or, or I, I don't think I, I quite realized like how much I was going to get out of it. Like when I first saw the call, you know, I saw, okay, cool. Uh, commit to writing an essay. And um, I think at the time it was like, maybe do a, this podcast, but really the knowledge that I was able to gain from the other fellows and um, you know, all these different areas that make up environmental justice, what it is. Um, it, like, I don't even think I can quantify how much how how much that it has impacted me and just opened up the world of possibilities and new areas of work um, with other fellows, the research space where EJ is headed. It's just been unbelievable. 
and also just getting to meet all the different um, the workshops that we had throughout our, our one-on-one meetings, all the researchers we were able to bring, those experiences and those one-on-one conversations um, really like I, yeah I like out of all words that to really describe all the all the value um, gaining from that experience and really I think for me the main one main, main things was one um, developing these skills of like okay what's my key message and then also um, you know contrary to popular belief of what I may portray out there I wasn't very confident <laughs> and I think just having this experience um, really helped me kind of like own my own work and and not be so afraid to like start applying for things or putting myself out there a little bit more um, than what I used to. And, um, you know, your second question, particularly around what it's like working behind the scenes now, I don't think I ever realized how much work goes into these programs. <laughs> Just like little little things that, that take up, you know, programming um, and logistics, right? Like what's our workflow where can we find better ways to um, maximize our, 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 our um, you know, our day-to-day tasks, uh, planning social media uh, um, uh, postings, um, the editing that goes in behind the fellow's essays um, and the video editing for the podcast, like all of these things, um, you know, it, 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 I don't think I ever realized it. I thought it was like, oh yeah, you know, they just kind of probably show up and it goes well but there's just so much preparation that goes into each and every one of these deliverables and i you know kudos to all of you who had uh i think it originally was only you and ami who were the main people behind all of this so now having our team that's grown um you know i think that definitely is gonna gonna help out a lot with um you know the amount the amount of work and quality work we're able to to deliver yeah, and this is a good time to mention that we also have um, Summer Ahmad, Gwen Raniger, Hannah Seo, uh, and Aaron Gomez, who do a lot of social media, a lot of social media and outreach and website design and thinking and strategizing. So we just have a really vibrant team right now, which is really exciting. And so you are, you, you know, your title is Assistant Director of Curriculum Development and Cohort Engagement. So give me the give me the elevator pitch on you know what your role is here. What what are you trying to help us out with? Yeah, so my elevator pitch is that um, I'm in charge of helping uh, design for um, the next uh, cohort, particularly, um, you know, what those individual meetings and um, workshop lessons will be. Um, so what it um, and, and making sure that like the speakers that we're, we're connecting them um, tie in to the bigger uh, mission of, of um, Agents of Change. And then for cohort engagement, you know, engagement, um, I kind of see it as you know, same when you're like carrying out studies, that really is, is one, a lot of work. And, and because everyone has so many things going on, finding teams where finding places where we can all intersect. So for example, planning webinars with different um, agents of change, uh, you know, making sure that they know all different opportunities that are available, planning out uh, future panels at these different um, spaces is, is what like the engagement is and really just kind of bringing us all together in various spaces. Um, so there's been a few times now that i um, been able to travel recently and was able to meet agents of change, uh, you know, in a non-virtual world. And so that's kind of goes with the title of, of, you know, making, making sure we're still trying to have these connections um, and, and platforms um, where we can both engage in our work. The words engagement and impact, I catch these in the agents of change side of my life and the environmental health news side of my life. And they are both frustrating terms and because they're hard to define, they're hard to quantify, they're hard to kind of push toward. 
But I also find that when you think about those two words at the front end of your work, they really inspire a lot of uh, productive conversations, creative thinking, to really think about, well, why are we doing this work? Who are we trying to reach? How are we going to uh, make this uh, make this mission come to fruition? So I think um, they're, they're very squishy terms, but I think engagement and impact are just super helpful when you're thinking about how to make programs like this successful. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, kind of kind of like the field uh, or any type of, of words that may seem buzzwordy, uh, but when you actually get down to like the details of it, um, it really is, I think, in, in for Agents of Change, it really has been more about, um, you know, centering the fellows and the people that are both working behind the scenes and are at the front um, being very visible. And that's kind of what I see also engagement, right? Like, who are we, how are we individually engaging with each other? How are we engaging with our audiences and um, the community works we work with? That That's like super key to this. Totally. And not to interrupt this infomercial we were putting out, <laughs> but this is our 28th podcast this year. I know this is only one, one part of the program, but I am so proud of all the podcasts we had this year. And I know you are one of our most passionate listeners because I see you on Twitter and I talk to you and you you don't miss a thing. So I thought you would be the perfect person to talk to about some of our favorite moments or episodes that stuck out to us over the past year. So I'm glad you're here. And I'm going to start. You know, I was thinking about this when I when I talked to you about this idea. And the first one that came to mind was um, Zung Chu. Uh, an episode where she was talking about her father's influence on her life and career. So Mizang uh, is is Vietnamese, and her father went through the war over there on the other side, uh, on the Vietnamese side, and then had to go to a re-education camp. He came to the U.S. to pursue education, and he had this dream to get his Ph.D. And as she was telling the story, um, it was right not too long after she had gotten her Ph.D. And she talked about how he also had to learn English. And he was working to integrate his his studies and his PhD with his work in the Vietnamese community there in Western Massachusetts. And it dovetailed a lot with what Mizung was doing and how she strived to be like him. And it was emotional. Obviously, this conversation was emotional for her. But I just thought it was such an inspiring story and really spoke to how much work, effort and resilience goes into some folks getting a higher education degree where it's not handed to a lot of folks. Um, both Mi Zung and her father had this really hard path. So that was my first, that was my, the first one that stuck out to me. Um, I would agree with you. And I actually recall, and I had to put it on pause, um, that podcast, because I was, um, I remember I was, I was on a, I was on city bus commuting to work and I start crying and I'm like, okay, I can't listen to this right now. I'm, I'm putting it on pause. I'm going to wait until I'm not in a public venue because uh, they're going to be like, why is this girl sitting in the seat just crying? <laughs> um, but yeah, that was definitely one of them. Um, I would say, and I think, you know, this is all, uh, probably a little biased because of the work I've done, but um, I really loved hearing um, Denise Martinez talk about her work um, with her in Indigenous collaborators um, around cultural fire practices. And I think what I think stuck out to me, which had been a similar experience, was she was talking about with her collaborators that they would like tease her and her work and, you know, kind of have this very like funny way about um, her interactions. And that had also been my similar experience when I when um, when I had done um, work with with uh, on the Navajo Nation, because there's these times when you're like. Now they're teasing you and you're like, oh, do they like me? And then going home and behold, they told me that like, no, we only tease people we like. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and so I just love how she weaved in this, you know, very much importance of humor um, 
among her indigenous collaborators. So that was, I think, one of my, you know, obviously biased, but <laughs> um, really loved listening to her podcast. No, I love that. And when I spoke to her, she she did talk about that that sense of humor. And I mentioned that, ironically, my wife does a lot of similar work to Denise here in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, actually around cultural fire practices for the Sioux Chippewa tribe, my wife's tribe. And I noticed the same thing when I moved up here is this kind of uh, sense of humor when I'm invited to cultural events, indigenous cultural events and stuff. And I think it's kind of baked into uh, resilience in this community's ability to kind of go through a lot of hardships would be a, a light way to put it and be able to laugh and come out the other side. So I totally agree. That one was, um, that was fantastic. And talking to Denise is always fun. So to keep with this bias one. So this next one, I feel like if you're picking your favorite moments, obviously it's bias, right? But <laughs> this one is bias for me too. So uh, Abrania Marrero's episode where she talked about, uh, being from Puerto Rico and the importance of food and small farmers and how meals bring us together as people, regardless of culture, really spoke to me. So, so I actually co co-manage a 20 acre farm, organic farm here with my wife, uh, uh, just the two of us, just a small, a small organic farm. So that kind of small farmer aspect of it, but talking about sharing these meals with her grandma and her mother, um, it reminded me of my own family and probably many people, many families, she was describing the scene in Puerto Rico. And in my mind, I was envisioning Northern Michigan and to imagine these two places that are so disparate and so different, but it was a good reminder of how, how similar we all are and whether or not we want to believe it, that food can be this great connector for all of us. I absolutely agree. Um, and actually um, I went to DC recently and I got to meet in person, Brenda, who was a part of the first cohort. And we both, um, you know, because she lives in DC right now, uh, she took me to share her her table. Uh, you know, for eating, we ended up at this pupusa restaurant she really loves, and yeah, it, like it's absolutely a a place to, that brings different people together. Like, who are you sharing? Who are you sharing your table with? Um, and really bonding over cultural delights. Um, but yeah, and so you know, th this is moving away from food. I think another moment. Um, and I was just honestly surprised by how, um, I guess maybe her organizational skills, but I'm thinking of Tatiana's uh, Heights um, podcast. And I think in the, like the first uh, opening, uh, when you were having a conversation with her, she talked about this exhausted list spreadsheet that she had <laughs> built <laughs> that like had all these characteristics of, of places she wanted to live. And that's how she had made, I think, her decision on, on where she was going to go pursue her studies. And I was just sitting there listening. I'm like, okay, when listening to this woman talk about that, I'm like, this lets me know she's detail oriented, but also that she's at heart a scientist because who else puts a spreadsheet together of all the characteristics <laughs> that's important to them? Um, and so I really, 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 um, I, I just, I don't know. I was in awe in that episode and, and her ability to talk about environmental education. And I don't think it's a lot, something that I had previously considered in my work and, and, you know, particularly for the work I do, um, you know, it is research and I do work with students and community members a lot, but I hadn't actually uh, been more intentional about all the different um, lenses bringing into educating um, students. And so I really appreciated her, her episode because it kind of, um, you know, got the light bulb going of like, okay, one day when I get the opportunity to, um, you know, teach and, and, and lecture, I'm definitely going to, um, probably reach out to her and be like, Hey, give me some big tips on, on how do we, how do we actually integrate, um, 
more of these people's backgrounds and, and the and the education work we do. And what a gift for the students. I, I thought the same thing when I talked to her about that. What a gift to be in a classroom where someone's actually thinking about what the student is bringing to this situation, as opposed to this kind of top-down, one-size-fits-all approach that probably most of us experience in the U.S. public school system, <laughs> if you went to public school around here. Um I I just thought that was a real gift for the students to have somebody with that intentionality. So yeah, I absolutely love that episode. And I think I asked her what her Michigan city was on her spreadsheet and it was Detroit. And I, I'm curious as I can't remember why Detroit didn't make the list, but she is in North Carolina now. I think that's where she ended up. So my last, uh, my last moment, and there was plenty, but we are going to confine ourselves to three, unfortunately was a recent one. It was Carlos Gould where he talks about playing baseball as a child and how that influenced his idea of identity. And the reason this stuck out, so I baseball played a huge role in my upbringing and I never at the time thought of identity or long-term effects from it, but um, much like Carlos sports, you know, both football and baseball for me really were some of the most early experience I had of, of people from different races, different backgrounds, different geographies. And in this way, I thought it was a beautiful reminder of, and my wife will laugh at this because she doesn't see sports in the same positive light I do, but what role sports and really any extracurricular activities, whether it's theater and music and and plays can get, get you out of your comfort zone and kind of teach you to work as a team with people who are different than you. Um, So it reminded me of that. And of course, Carlos' experience wasn't all positive. You know, he experienced kind of microaggressions and maybe some, you know, aspects of racism uh, but you know, that, that I, the idea of sports is kind of drawing you into places that maybe you're not comfortable in working with people, um, from different backgrounds. I just thought it was really powerful. Um, I, I think I, I probably share more of your view, views on your wife on this, um, sports. <laughs> and I think this might be just, honestly, I'm a short, I'm a short woman, um, sports, every sport team I ever tried out, like I never made the team. I'm not embarrassed to put that out there. And so <laughs> I know, right. Um, so I, I like to see them on TV and that type, but for me, I think, yeah, I would, I would, it would be more on like the arts, like that's art scenes, museums, um, public works. Like that's, that's the stuff that gets that, that I kind of see the similarities, um, with the sports team episode that Carlos was talking about. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, and really, I think you can get a lot of the same things. I think we have such a heavy emphasis on sports, but I think you can get a lot of the same things from a uh, drama club and chess club and uh, just riding bikes with people after school. I don't know these, these activities that you engage in where you all kind of have a, a thing you're working toward um, outside of school. I don't know. It, it really spoke to me as a baseball player, but yes, of course it can apply to anything. I love it. Um, well, I'll share my 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 number three. Um, you know, for purposes of time, there was obviously from each one of them something I took away. But I, Osmo's podcast, it just that was just a whole different, I think, level of of and and I think that podcast, um, it just had so much rich information. Like Osmo came in and he was just like, "Here's the history. Here's the data." That that man has. Like it's just a wealth of knowledge and, and context and in here, you know, his experience and talking about how he grew up there um, in Bangladesh and that work and how that's really inf- influenced him um, in his sociology field. I honestly absolutely love because it's not oftentimes that you get to hear 
um, both like the actual data, but like the history and context of how people's, you know, like how you, it's like a direct connection on, on how he goes about his work. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm definitely not an environmental sociologist, but if I was, I totally would have loved to have been mentored by him because he just, um, his episode was really one of those that I, I absolutely loved. And, and every single sentence he talked about, he just talked about with such passion. For sure. And that was Osmal Hassan for those that, that may want to look up that podcast. And you can find all these episodes we mentioned on Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe to us. We're here every two weeks. And if you have every, any favorite episodes or moments from the past year yourself, please send them to us on Twitter at Agents of Change EJ. So, Yoshi, as we wrap up here, I thought maybe we could give a little sneak peek to listeners about what they can expect next year from the Agents of Change team here. So can you talk about some of the exciting news you have to share? Yes. So drum roll. Um, We are excited to announce that applications for our next cohort will be opening up in January 2022. And two major things for this application. One, you'll have the option to save and return, uh, which wasn't previously possible. I know, (laughs) I know. (laughs) Infrastructure here, right? We love it. Um, and second is that it'll be open up for three months. And so, you know, definitely, I think plenty of time, um, but plan accordingly, get that feedback from, um, you know, your, your professors, mentors um, towards the essays. And yeah, that's, that's our big 2022 announcement. That is excellent to hear. We're very excited about that. And we will, of course, be plastering social media with these announcements and emailing them to folks, but you can find that information and just stay on top of the program at, eight, at the Website, agentsofchangeinej.org. So one other fun thing we have coming up next year is we are letting the fellows occasionally take over the podcast. I'm sure people are excited to hear that I will be taking a break sometimes. They won't have to hear my halting, halting odd speech pattern. But uh, so fellows will be taking over the podcast. They will be talking to leaders in the field. They will be talking amongst themselves about key issues facing researchers, researchers of color, uh, problems in the environmental justice field, solutions. We are very excited about this. So the podcast is going to grow and change and evolve, and we are so excited about it. So Yoshi, that is all. Let's keep it short. It's almost New Year's. So thank you so much for joining me today. And as we are just a couple days out from New Year's Eve, I think the world is split on those that like to go out and party and those that stay in. So I'm going to admit here on the podcast, I have a routine of red wine, my dogs and my wife, a cozy fire, and I make Polish food, specifically pierogi. So I am a stay in person. What are your New Year's Eve plans? You know, uh, we're here in the same company. I think a few years ago, I was definitely like, hey, let's go uh, go party like it's going to be the new year. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm definitely more of a um, staying home, making good food, uh, in good company. And also, um, you know, spending time with my dogs is, is my New Year's plan. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Yoshi, I have to say from the bottom of my heart, it's been so great to get to know you and to have you as part of our team. I wish we could take every fellow and put them on staff and uh, and work with them beyond the program. But I have to say having you aboard has just been a delight. So thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to next year. Thank you so much. And feeling is mutual. So uh, until next year. All right, that is all for this week. That is all for this year, folks. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Yoshi and this whole past year of podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you all so much for supporting us. To see your comments, your tweets, your posts, your emails about the podcast really make our day. 
Don't forget to visit agentsofchangenej.org and while you're there, click the donate button to support us. You can also find Agents of Change on Twitter and Instagram and please follow us on Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher where you can listen to this and all past episodes. The Agents of Change podcast is written, recorded, and edited by me with outreach, scheduling, and support from the rest of the team. Dr. Amizona, Dr. Yoshida Ornelas Van Horn, Summer Ahmad, Gwen Raniger, Hannah Seo, and Aaron Gomez. Email us at agentsofchangenej at gmail.com and sign up for our monthly Agents of Change newsletter at the new program homepage, agentsofchangenej.org. Join us next time when two fellows take things over. Annie Huang and Rodrigo Elatriste Diaz speak with Nayamin Martinez, the executive director of the Central California Environmental Justice Network. She talks about organizing for farm worker justice. Happy New Year, everyone.